Colossians. The book of Colossians. So Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. We'll probably be turning back over into Galatians as well. But I want to go ahead and give you these verses in the beginning uh, this morning, lest we uh, get busy uh, learning other things and, and don't uh, take the time or have the time to get to them. Um, it's right here in front of me, so I'll remember to tell you. Um, but we've still got some copies of the 2020 uh, calendar uh, available um, if you'd like to uh, grab hold to one of those. Got some beautiful photography, scenery, and verses um, in those. Praise God. All right, Colossians chapter 1. And um, we'll begin at verse 9 in just a moment. Let me talk to you for, before we do, praise God. Um, we've often said that the Gospels contain the earthly ministry of Jesus. They contain the teachings of Jesus. And then they contain um, what Jesus did. Um, and, of course, uh, he did a lot of things. But... Most importantly, uh, he lived a sinless life. Um, he died uh, a horrible death as our substitute. He was buried, um, went into death, hell, and the grave, and then was raised from the dead by the power of God um, on the third day. And then he ascended back to the right hand of the Father. Um, remember, before all of this took place, he prayed to the Father that the Father would send you and me the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said that it was to our advantage that He returned to the Father because unless He returned to the Father, the Father would not be able to send the Holy Spirit to us. Amen. And so we're thankful for those Gospels. But it was what Father revealed to us later by the Holy Spirit in the part of the Bible called the epistles. Um, epistle is a fancy word for letters. And I know some of you learned this many years ago, but again, I'm either reminding you or um, I'm, I'm teaching you, amen. And so it helps me in my study um, of the Bible to, to rightly divide the Word of God in this way. So the Gospels tell us what Jesus did, the letters or the epistles tell us why He did it and what it now means to me and, and to you, what it now means to us. And a lot of what we understand already about what Jesus um, did as far as our understanding of what that means, it, it comes from the epistles. Now, we we kind of have this idea that we would understand these things if the epistles had never been written. But imagine if the Bible ended um, at the Gospel of John. Um, and, and, and so Jesus even told his disciples before um, he was arrested and crucified that there were still many more things he had to teach us. So many more things he had to explain to them, but that they weren't ready to receive those things yet. But when the Holy Spirit came, He would lead us and guide us into all truth. And so it's the Holy Spirit who is, you know, 
the Bible says, you know, inspired, spoke through uh, the apostles um, and uh, gave us like, you know, Romans, for instance, is the letter uh, to the church at Rome and, and Corinthians to the church at Corinth. And of course, that's the same church we're members of. That's the same church that you and I are a part of, the body of Christ, the church which is his body. And so these letters were written as much to you and me as they were to these first century believers. Amen? And they were written to help us understand the magnitude of what Jesus' crucifixion means to our everyday life and victory right here, uh, January the 12th, 2020. Amen, the year of our Lord. So we also see that many times when Paul would begin um, one of these letters that he would include either in the opening part of it or somewhere within the body of the letter, he would include um, a prayer that he consistently, constantly prayed for the church. And um, Ephesians 1 contains, chapter 1 contains one of those prayers. Colossians 1 also contains one of those prayers. Now, I point that out to you because as we become more and more effective uh, prayers, men and women who pray, amen, um, and, and learning how to do that more and more effectively, um, it's impossible. Uh, I started to say it's hard to go wrong, but it's not hard to go wrong. It's impossible to go wrong praying the Word of God. In other words, what we have here, first and foremost, is Scripture inspired by the Holy Spirit, breathed by the Holy Spirit. So this is the eternal Word of God, but it's the eternal Word of God in the form of a prayer. So you can take, I can take this prayer and personalize it and pray it over myself, pray it over my family, pray it over my family of faith, pray it over my foundry family. This is kind of what I do on a on a daily basis. Pray it over uh, our family of ministry partners around the world. So listen to the things the Holy Spirit inspired the Apostle Paul to pray, hopefully is inspiring you and me to pray over ourselves and our families and those that are connected to our lives. He says this, for this reason, Colossians chapter 1 verse 9, for this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Okay, again, look at me for a moment. I'm, it's going to take me a minute to set some of this up, but I want to, while we're here, I want to make sure you understand some important things um, that will make a huge difference uh, in your daily life. Sometimes I get asked the question, Pastor Mark, is it, is it wrong to pray for the same thing twice? And the answer to that question is, well, it depends. Amen. <laughs> and um, Jesus told us to pray and keep praying, ask and keep asking, seek and keep seeking, knock and keep knocking. So there, there is a diligence and, and, and a persistence uh, that's very important to effective prayer. Um, the idea that, uh, you know, we're going to grab hold of something and lay hold of it by faith and not let it go. Um, and that kind of determination. It's not because we're trying to convince God to do something for us. 
um, that he doesn't want to do or that he's not interested in doing. But it's spiritual warfare. Um, th th there, are, there are forces within and without, amen. Uh, without would be you know, demonic forces that are trying to, to hinder and distract and discourage and, 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 and create false impressions and so forth and so on. But then there's forces within us, uh, ignorance, doubt, unbelief, things of that nature. And so faith by hearing, hearing by the Word of God, um, not every time uh, we make a faith confession, we're in faith. But if you'll keep confessing the Word and hearing yourself confess the Word, you're releasing power and stirring up faith and building faith um, within you. Amen. But the simple answer is uh, it's, it's not wrong to pray the same prayer over and over again because we see here and in the Ephesians prayer that these were prayers that Paul never ceased praying. In other words, it was something that he prayed continually over and over and over and over again. So notice that the first part of this prayer, and it's similar to the one we see in Ephesians, is that we would be filled with the knowledge of Father's will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Do you realize how many people, born again, even spirit-filled people in the body of Christ today, have no idea what Father's will for their life actually is? Both generally speaking and specifically speaking, what I call the macro, the big picture, and the micro, the details of life. Father has a big picture will for your life, and He has a, a detail specific uh, picture uh, for your life. Amen. And so when, it, when we talk about knowing what the will of God is, one of my favorite quotes from Brother Hagin, he said, faith begins where the will of God is known. Faith begins where the will of God is known. It's going to be very hard for you to believe God for something that you don't know if it's His desire or will for you to have. So when we're confused about what the will of God is when it comes to prosperity, when we're confused about what the will of God is when it comes to healing, when, when it comes to uh, test trials and temptations, when it comes to weather threatening you and your family and your property, when we don't know what the will of God is, if we believe, as, as some do, that tornadoes are the finger of God, my friend, nothing could be further from the truth. But again, it, it, so if, we, if we're confused where the will of God is concerned, then it's very hard for us to stand and to fight. If, if, amen, don't get me going too far down this road, but you understand what I'm saying. So Paul is saying that, that we would be filled with um, the knowledge of God's will, that we would know what His heart for us is, what His desires for us are, what His plans and purposes are for us, so that we can pursue those things in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Verse 10, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Well, how many of you think we could all benefit from praying this for ourselves and for our children and for our families, for our loved ones, for our family of faith? Amen? I, I, I've often thought about all of the things that we, we have no record uh, of Paul praying uh, in the words, I think you can learn as, as much from what he didn't pray for them <laughs> as opposed to what he did. And there's a lot of times we, our, our prayers are 
are, are fleshly need-based prayers. In, in, let me say it another way. I, I don't want to confuse you, but instead of Paul praying for their physical needs to be met, he prayed that they would be filled with the knowledge of God's will and desire that all of their needs be met. That he, that I, in other words, the, the will of God concerning you is He already knows what you need before you ask. And His promise to you is that He will supply all of your needs according to His riches in glory. But it's people not understanding that. It's people, people not knowing that. So because they're not sure about these things, their faith can't ever get any traction in these things. So rather than Paul praying for the, the, the shallow needs of the flesh, he prayed for an inward knowing of the heart that it's God's desire, God's provision in their lives and what that looks like and what that is. That it would be revealed to them that they would, that they would increase in this we spent most of our time together on Sundays in 2019 talking about this phrase, walking worthy of the Lord. Now, you say, Pastor, I don't remember a lot of sermons about walking worthy of the Lord. Well, do you remember any sermons about giving Him the place in your life that He deserves? Because remember, Jesus said that if we're not willing to give Him the place that He deserves in our lives, we're not worthy of Him. Right? If, if we're going to put the influence of other people's opinions, suggestions, advice, on the same level as or above His, if, if, we, if we're going to even let our families and what our families think have a place of higher influence over us than what Jesus says, then Jesus said we're not worthy of him. Words, we're not giving him the place that he deserves in our lives. And so here's the amazing thing about that, though. And, and in other words, what does it take? It's not a trick question. What does it take to walk worthy of the Lord? Do you have to give a certain amount of money to the church? Do you have to have perfect attendance in Sunday school? Do you have to have memorized a certain number of verses? In other words, of all the things Jesus could have said, right? If, if, if you haven't shared your faith with, with three people today, you're not worthy of me. That's not what he said. He said to be worthy of me involves one simple thing. Give me the place that I deserve in your life. That's what walking worthy of him means fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Fruitfulness of any kind, spirit, soul, or, or body. In other words, the Bible speaks of fruitfulness on these different levels. There's a, there's a spiritual fruitfulness, there's a mental, emotional uh, fruitfulness, and, and then there's the, the, the physical fruitfulness. Um, and, and how many of you understand that our Father, Jesus, Jesus gave us this information and it should therefore be very important to us. Jesus said that our Father in heaven is glorified by our fruitfulness, by your fruitfulness, by my fruitfulness. You were created by God and then blessed, empowered by Him to be fruitful. To live a fruitful life, a meaningful life. That 
it's sad to me, but most people look at that and all they understand about that is, is procreating, having children. My friend, that is just one part of one aspect of what it means to be fruitful. Amen. So when he says, let's get back to this verse, amen. Being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Let's, um, let's get something nailed down right now, okay? Father's call on your life is an upward call. Um, Brother Jesse Duplantis, you know, different men and women of God that speak into my life, many times the Lord will give them a, a word or a theme for the year, and his, I don't know, it's maybe two years ago, three years ago now, his was the one word, advancement, advancing. And that father is all about advancing, moving forward, but not just moving forward, moving upward, moving upward, amen. Upward means what? Better. Um, upward, uh, how do we say this? I mean, if, if you were to move upwardly in your finances this year, <laughs> you, you follow what I'm saying? Then, then that would be for you to increase financially, for you to, to, to receive, uh, uh, as a steward of the Lord, to receive more finances uh, to manage for the kingdom, amen, this year than last year. Amen, come on now, upward. It's an upward call. It's it, it, the, the idea of advancing when he's talking about being fruitful and then when he's talking about increasing. Fruitfulness, in the Bible, you almost always see fruitfulness associated with multiplication. Multiplication. Now, the Bible speaks of Father adding things to us, but the Bible also speaks of Him multiplying things for us. How many of you know multiplying is uh, like addition, only better? <laughs> Amen. And so, again, increasing, increasing in the knowledge of God. You say, well, Pastor Mark, I, I understand. I, I like to learn about God and the Bible and, and that sort of stuff. But, but what I need in my life is more and fill in the blank, right? I need more of this or more of that. I need more money to pay my power bill. I need more money to put my kids through school. I need, I need uh, uh, a better car, this or that or what have you. Again, Paul could have prayed for those things, but he recognized that if we would simply increase in the knowledge of what we've already been given. Increase in the knowledge of, of the faith, for example, that we've been given, that we use to access every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, all things that pertain to life and godliness. That we would increase in the knowledge. The scriptures clearly teach you and me that we've been given things by God that we do not know are ours. So when he's praying that we would increase in the knowledge of God, he's talking about our increasing in, in, our, in the understanding, not just, how do I say this, certainly the principle, certainly the, 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 the wisdom, but 
In, in other words, for us to, how about one place Paul prayed that, that we would know and understand the height, the, the, the depth, the width, the breadth, the length, in other words, all the dimensions of the love of God. In other words, if, if we just increased in that one area of our knowledge and understanding of how much He loves us, how many of you are smart enough, wise enough in here to know that you have no idea how much He loves you yet? Amen. Whatever you know and whatever you've believed up to this point, praise God for it. But let me tell you, He loves you a whole lot more than you know this morning. And if I, if I know anything about the love of God, I know that He loves me more than I know that He loves me. Amen. And I'm increasing in that. I'm increasing in that. See, the connection there is the key to being filled with all the fullness of God is to increase in the knowledge of God's love for you. The more you know about His love for you and believe the love that He has for you, the more your life is filled with the things that Jesus paid such a high price for your life to be full of. Verse 11, strengthened with all might according to His glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy. I'm not asking you to confess that you're weak this morning, but how many of you could use some more strength? Amen, Amen that we could be stronger. If you're feeling weak this morning, the Bible says, let the weak say faith confession, right? It requires zero faith for a weak man or woman to talk about how weak they are. But in our weakness, we confess that we're strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. But one of the things that Paul never ceased to pray for the church, for the individual, individual members of the church, is that they would be strengthened with all might according to not their ability, but according to Father's glorious power, but specifically strengthened for all patience and long-suffering with joy. Now, we know that the joy of the Lord is what? The joy of the Lord is what? The joy of the Lord is our strength. Now, when he says patience and long-suffering, if you go back to the original language, and, and sometimes modern translations uh, lose this because long-suffering is just, you know, not a real popular thing to talk about. Um, if you've ever heard my mom share her testimony, one of the, uh, one of the funny lines in, in her testimony is she says, for years the only fruit of the Spirit she had was long-suffering. And um, <laughs> she says the truth. Um, but let me help you with this, okay? Both would imply patience, but in the original language, the word Patience is talking about being patient with people. No, wait, I might have it backwards. Anyway, one's talking about being patient with people. The other is talking about being patient with circumstances. 
situations. So one involves us, us being more patient with, with people and, and um, praise God, you know, some folks just require a little more grace on our part than others. Amen? You probably got some folks in your life that are easy to love, then some that are a little more challenging to love. Am I right about this? So, but then the other is talking about when we're dealing with circumstances, situations, symptoms uh, that, that we're wanting to see, you know, change or experience breakthrough um, in, in those. And, you know, remember other places we're told when we've done everything we know to do to stand, to keep standing, um, to fight the good fight of faith, to contend for the faith. Um, I've mentioned this a time or two already. I'm going I'm to keep mentioning it because I feel like it's extremely important. Uh, and I know that not everyone is, is uh, able to be here on Wednesday nights. Please, uh, hccnow.org, um, our study of, of, of faith and, and, and growing in faith. Um, we're very soon uh, to get into a portion of our study. We're not quite there yet, but very soon to get into a portion of our study to talk about, you know, defiance. In other words, when, when the devil tries to defy your faith. When, when you take a stand of faith and, 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 and then it doesn't seem like anything has changed or, or any answer has come. And, and remember, Jesus told us to believe you've already received when you pray and you will have what you, you've asked for. And so a lot of times the, the visible results aren't instant. And there's defiance. There's, there's, there's resistance from the enemy. And this is where we have to learn how to stand our ground. We have to learn how to take that position of faith and hold it. And so much of what we know about this and these things that I'm talking about right now and we'll get into in great detail in the days ahead on Wednesday evenings, we learned um, by the Holy Spirit through the writings of the Apostle Paul. Are you understand what I'm saying? In other words... If, you, if you've studied other things that the Bible has to say on this subject and you understand that, you, you know, Paul was a, an expert, if you will, on these things, um, you'll understand, again, why he prayed that they would be strengthened um, with all might according to his glorious power, not so they could just walk around like some spiritual bodybuilding contest and show everybody, you know, their, their spiritual pectoral muscles and their, their faith biceps. No, that they would be strong so that they would be able to stand um, in difficult situations involving other people and involving um, stubborn uh, circumstances that uh, don't seem to, you know, evaporate the minute you pray. Praise the name of the living God. Verse number 12. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Now we're going to come back to that verse because that's the one we're going to focus on today. Verse number 13. He has delivered us not will deliver us, not is delivering us, but past tense, past completed work. 
If He has delivered you, then you have been delivered. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and He has conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. Wow. Been delivered. Amen. Now, if UPS delivers a package to your door, that means that they took that package from one location and relocated it on your doorstep. I know that's pretty simple, but when he talks about has delivered us from, notice there was an original destination. We have been delivered from the power of darkness into the kingdom of the Son of His love. He is talking about a relocation. We were once in this place, in this position, but we are no longer in that place, in that position. We are no longer planted in the kingdom of darkness. We are, we are no longer um, uh, under the power of darkness, but we have been brought out of that, amen, and we've now been relocated in a new kingdom. We've now been delivered, not just to the doorstep of the kingdom, but we have been planted in the kingdom of God. Thank you, Jesus. In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. Now, if you will notice this sounds, a lot of the same words are used here in Colossians that were also used in Galatians, the third chapter, which is been our springboard text now for several weeks where the Bible says that, that we've been redeemed from the curse of the law. Here he says we've been brought out from the powers of darkness. You say, which one is it, Pastor Mark? It's both. We're no longer under the power of darkness because we're no longer citizens of that kingdom. We've, we've, we've been born again and we've, we've been relocated. Amen. We, um, hopefully they'll be listening to this later. I get some feedback from time to time. I know they've been watching the discipleship class, but you know, Keith and Diane Farr, they, <clears throat> they were living in Hueytown. They're not in Hueytown anymore. They're in Vero Beach, Florida. They relocated this past year. And my, how we miss them and how we love them still. Amen. So we see that we were once in the kingdom of darkness, and because we were in that kingdom, we were under the power of that kingdom. And, and, and that, of course, is a kingdom that's ruled by the curse. But Jesus invaded that kingdom. He penetrated that darkness. The light shined in the darkness, and the darkness did not understand it and could not stop it. He penetrated the darkness and redeemed us from it. He, he brought us out 
from under that power, that word conveyed literally means to, to move, to relocate, to, to establish in a new destination. Conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. We, we have, um, you know, friends, people that we talk with, um, text with, talk on the phone with, FaceTime with. Um, what's really fun is, you know, Pastor Cornelius and I are trying to have a conversation and they're basically 12 hours ahead of us. <laughs> so... So one of us is going to be early and one of us is going to be late. You know what I'm saying? Or it's either going to be in the middle of the day or the middle of the night. And um, so, you know, they're half a world away. And here I am in Hueytown, Alabama, and, and he's there in Nairobi, Kenya. And um, especially like if we talk on a holiday, you know, like Thanksgiving. We talked, I think it was the day before Thanksgiving one, one year. And... Um, See, thanks, they don't do Thanksgiving there. It was just a, another Wednesday there. Here, it's like you, if, one of the biggest holidays of our year. In other words, what, the point I'm trying to make is, you know, where you are located has tremendous influence over what you're experiencing. Right? Um, we talked to Pam's uncle in... Lakeland, Florida, back last year, just talking with him, letting him know we was praying, standing with him when those hurricanes were coming through, you know. And here we are, you know, up, up here and what's going on here and what the weather's like here, what we're experiencing here. We got him on the phone, but he's in another location and what he's experiencing there is completely different. Amen? So we are no longer under the power of darkness. We're in a new place now. Amen? You do understand that's what, that, that what's happening, <laughs> what's going on in the kingdom of the Son of His love is not the same thing that's going on in the kingdom of darkness and people who are under and have submitted themselves to that power. Yes? All right. Let's... Um, we got just a couple of minutes. Let's go back to verse 12. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us. If you mark or underline or highlight things in your Bible, I want you to, or if you're taking notes, that word qualified right there is a really, 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 really important word. Qualified. Qualified. Have you ever wanted a job? By job, I mean employment. Have you ever wanted a job that you didn't qualify for? Maybe you're looking along on the internet or in the one ads, and man, there's a job paying $150,000 a year. It's local, it's got great benefits, you know. But you realize that you don't qualify for that job because you don't have the master's degree in engineering. You don't have the five years experience as a, as a senior lead engineer in a respected, you know, all these 
things, requirements that qualify you for that job. I know I have. I don't know about you. Have you ever applied for a job you didn't qualify for? Man, if these folks just meet me, they'll, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Amen. I had a situation in the early days of my cabinet business. Uh, I was looking for some subcontracting work to fill in some of the gaps. And, and there was a company that was looking for a cabinet refacer uh, down in Alabaster. And had a pretty good ad, you know, salary and or, you know, compensation. And so I, uh, I uh, applied for the job. And they're like, how much cabinet refacing experience do you have? I was honest. I said, I've never done it, but, but I guarantee I can learn, you know. And, and so they sent me to Cleveland, Ohio. And was, what I'm saying, I got the job. <laughs> Even though I didn't know how to do it, they said, well, if you're willing to, you know, sell myself. You know, the Holy Spirit's helping me as well. But, you know, they sent me to Cleveland, Ohio for, for training. So, again, ever even applied for a job that you didn't initially qualify for. I remember when the children were, um, Bethany and John Mark, when it came time for them to go to college, it's a requirement now that you fill out this thing called a FAFSA. I used to know what all those letters stood for, but thankfully I don't and won't have to know it again until, I guess, Oliver starts college. But anyway, FAFSA. But basically what the FAFSA does, it asks you about 5,987 personal questions, right? Um, and at the end of it, they tell you what you qualify for, any financial aid that you may qualify for, any grants that you may qualify for uh, at the school that you're going to attend. Again, there is a, there is a, a process of qualifying. Amen. Think about what he's saying here. That Father has now qualified us. You have been qualified by God to partake of something, to be on the inside of something, to receive something, that you previously did not qualify for and never would have been able to qualify for. You've been qualified. Come on now. You've been qualified. It's not what qualifies you, it's who has qualified you. And what He used to qualify you, the blood of Jesus. You have been qualified now here he says partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light partaker means to have an equal share in singers musicians come on please partaker means to have an equal share in and then he's again this common theme that we see throughout the writings of Paul this inheritance we've received this inheritance what is this inheritance that Paul says we're now qualified for. If you read it carefully, again, we don't know for sure that Paul wrote the book of Hebrews, but again, the writer of Hebrews, the Holy Spirit ultimately, through the writer of Hebrews, 
is nailing it down in no uncertain terms. What we now qualify for is the blessing. We qualify for protection. We qualify for provision. We qualify for healing. We qualify for prosperity. We qualify for fruitfulness. We qualify now. There was a time we didn't qualify. I didn't, I didn't have the education. I didn't have the experience. I didn't have... Are you following what I'm saying? All these things, the requirements that were called for that would qualify me to receive these benefits, I didn't qualify. But now I do. Are you following me? This is important. I now qualify to receive the blessing of Abraham. Amen. Praise God. Stand with me. Amen. Stand with me. There's a lot here. I know this is... It's simple, but don't miss it. Justified means qualified. I'm going to show you that tonight. Amen. Again, just justified means qualified. If you, if you read, because Abraham is our example in these things. And we see that Abraham accessed something by faith. Amen. And what he accessed by faith, first of all, was not the blessing, a supernatural enhancement, enablement, empowerment from God upon his life to prosper. That's not the first thing he received by faith. The first thing he received by faith was righteousness. Amen. His faith was accounted to him for righteousness. God established him right before him in his eyes. Being right before God in the eyes of God is what qualifies you for the blessing. If you are not right before God in the eyes of God, you do not qualify to be blessed by God. That's right, amen. Amen, you follow me? So do you see now why the law approach versus the faith approach Right? It's two different approaches to try to qualify yourself to be blessed. By your obedience to the commandments, that was what they struggled under the Old Testament. The only way to qualify for the blessing was to obey the commandments, to keep the law. Aren't you glad we're not in that system anymore? Aren't you glad there's now a way to qualify for the blessing that doesn't involve perfect attendance where the law is concerned? It's called being justified by faith. And justified means qualified. Amen. Father, as we stand before you this morning, we say thank you. We're no longer in that kingdom of darkness under the power of darkness, but we have been relocated. We received transference. You took us out of the darkness and that kingdom and that rule and that reign and that realm and you put us in your kingdom under your rule, under your realm, under your reign. And Father, I thank you that the resources of your kingdom, the financial aid, Father, we, we qualify in full. We qualify for every grant. 
We qualify for every advantage. We qualify for every bonus. We qualify for every blessing. We qualify for every enablement. We qualify for every empowerment. We qualify for every enhancement, enablement, empowerment that exists in the heavenly realm. We now qualify. That's why we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places because you have qualified us, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Look at me for a minute. Look at me for a minute. If you qualify now for the blessing, this means, I got some tongue-in-cheek bad news for you, you no longer qualify for the curse. Yes, amen, amen. Amen? Amen. You know what my confession this week was? I don't qualify for the bad weather that's coming yesterday. Amen. I don't, I don't qualify for that anymore. I don't, listen, the only reason you'd be nervous to say this is if you have more faith in the curse than you do the blessing. I don't qualify for influenza. That's right, amen. I don't, I don't qualify for that anymore. I don't qualify for it. I used to qualify for it. I don't qualify for that. Amen? Amen. Oh, Father, teach us what these things mean to our life reality now. And help us to lay hold of them by faith, Father. Taking hold of the covenant to no longer live in the vanity and futility of our own thinking from this influenced by this world, Father. But for our minds to be renewed, reconditioned, reformed, Father, with Your Word and with Your Holy Spirit, Lord. That we would lay hold of these things by faith, Father. That we would believe by faith that we're protected. That we would believe by faith that we're not only provided for, but that we prosper, Father, in Your kingdom of light and life now. And Father, you, that, that you are with us. Thank you, Lord. We qualify for friendship. <laughs> we, we now qualify to be your buddy, to pal around with you. Help us, Lord, see these things, embrace these things. Help us to know what we qualify for now, Father, and what we no longer qualify for. <laughs> 